gonna start this video off with an intro like I normally do, but I don't think this video needs an intro. Uh, for those of you that saw the title, pretty self-explanatory, we're gonna be talking about WWE Super Showdown that took place in Jihad, and, uh, and you know, just pretty much go through the ups and downs. So, you know, for anyone who hasn't caught it, didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, there are spoilers in effect now, so just be warned. So the show kicks off with uh, Seth Rollins defeating Baron Corbin via pinfall to retain the title now. The build-up to this was that Brock Lesnar was going to come in and he was going to cash in his money in the bank against Seth Rollins and he was going to do so on Monday. Monday came around, Raw was on, and uh, you know it was one of those things that it felt as though it was a, a viewership grab. Raw's been struggling in the ratings lately and you know they haven't had... I think it's pretty self-explanatory why they've been failing in the ratings and they haven't corrected it yet. So there was an article that came out that showed that I don't believe it was the last Monday, but the Monday previous raw is a three hour show in three hours. There was only 39 minutes of wrestling. Now, if you can't identify that and see that that's your issue, something's wrong. You got to change creative direction, whatever executive team, whatever it is, because Wrestling should be about wrestling. It should be about wrestling, you know? That's what people want to see. So I think it was a money grab when they said Monday. Monday comes around, he attacks Seth Rollins with some chairs, and he never cashes in his money in the bank. But he also Paul him in Friday, 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 which was today, and which was the pay-per-view in Jihad, the Super Showdown. Kicks off the show. Seth Rollins goes to play... Uh, to, um, sorry. Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin have you know i don't know how long the match was but it wasn't that that long i didn't i didn't think it was a great match but just goes to show you that corbin is still in the doghouse for uh wwe no one really thought he was gonna win you know i think seth there's no way that this they would take the belt off of seth with the ratings that they've been getting and the you know how popular seth rollins is especially just defeating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I don't believe that they would take that from him. I honestly don't think that Seth is going to lose it all year. You know, I think, you know, he may may go on to, if he does lose it, it'll be at the Elimination Chamber next year or uh, Royal Rumble, you know, but I don't think so. I think it's going to happen at WrestleMania next year. I just don't see how they would build a character up like that that's saying, I'm here, I'm a, defending champion every week in week out that's what raw needs and with the new deal that they're striking with fox and uh um and you know with for smackdown and usa already not happy with their ratings which that's what raw is currently on i think that they they definitely need this and they definitely need Seth. so corbin goes in gets defeated he has an argument with the referee then he gets rolled up for a pin i think it was kind of dumb that that's the way it started they definitely didn't steal no one's show. I don't, you know, the ratings gave it, CBS gave it a B, maybe even a B plus match. I don't agree with that, but then comes in, uh, well, I guess Corbin wasn't happy with it, comes in and attacks Seth Rollins. He attacks him, has him hurt pretty bad. So then Brock Lesnar comes down to um, challenge, and I guess he comes down the same way he did on Raw. He came down with a chair to bash in the ribs or the back of Seth Rollins. I I failed to mention that, but that's what he did on Monday. He came in and just chair shotted him, low blowed him, and that was it. So as he enters, Paul Heyman then enters with the briefcase, trips, drops the briefcase, 
distracts Brock Lesnar enough to Seth so for Seth Rollins to low blow him and then just attacks him with the chair, gets revenge. Never gets cashed in. Um, I didn't really see the angle in the beginning to begin with with them, so I'm not disappointed of the way it ended. I didn't expect Lesnar to win. I just thought it was weird that they were having him cash in so soon because if if Lesnar loses to Seth Rollins again, the aura around the Beast incarnate changes, I think, and you almost have to put him back as a normal human being, and I'm not sure if Brock is ready for that. You know, he... You, he he is not the attraction that Vince McMahon thinks he is. But if he wants to continue to keep him as an attraction as such, I think that he needs to obviously win matches. And if he would have lost, like it would have happened, I think tonight, it would have been a waste and the money in bank would have been a waste. I mean, that was dumb in itself, but oh, well, we're not talking about that. You know, the next up is the Intercontinental Championship match between Finn Balor and uh, Cien Andrade. That was actually that match was actually not bad. I I didn't mind it. Uh, the length was fine with me. Um, the crowd was a bit dead for whatever reason. It was a bit dead. But Finn Balor coming out is one of my favorite characters, the Demon. I really enjoy when he does that. I'm not a big fan of Finn Balor, but the Demon I am. I just think I just think he needs to um, not incorporate. He incorporates too much of Finn Balor with the demon. What I mean by that is when you're the demon, when you're the character, you're crawling, you're, you know, you're, you're, you tap into that side of you, the inner demon is what he's claiming. I don't think you'd be dancing to your own song like he does when he does the room and he puts his hands up. I think that's a Finn Balor thing. I think that should stick with a Finn Balor thing. So I think when he comes out as the beast, he shouldn't do that. Just my personal opinion. But, um, Finn Balor defeated Andrade uh, to retain his title. You know, it was it was pretty good action throughout, so not pretty happy about that. Then next up followed was Shane McMahon against Roman Reigns. Now, typical Shane McMahon. Uh, well, I it, I guess it really wasn't your typical Shane McMahon match because Shane McMahon matches usually involve a lot of high fly and you know doing a signature from one end of the ring to the other kick and, and so you, none of that really happened it was more so just you know punching and certain wrestling and things like that uh drew mcintyre came down to the ring he actually ended up interfering when the ref was distracted kicked roman reigns in the face and shane pinned him and won so that was kind of that's kind of a squash match for me i thought but um you know whatever next match was lars sullivan versus the lucha house party which uh, was against all three of them. So right off the bat, Sullivan got his mouth busted open. I was at the start of the match. Um, there wasn't a lot of things that were memorable about that match. The crowd wasn't really into it. Um, it's hard to take Lars Sullivan serious. He's supposed to be this bad, this bad mama jamma, but he, you know, and when you have a, a lisp like that, not making fun of anyone who has lisps or anything like that, lisps, sorry, but they play him out to be this guy. And I just have never met anyone mean with a lisp. They're usually typically very nice people. So for me to hear this big guy, this guy who's been wreaking havoc and doesn't listen to the brass and all this other stuff, to for them to sell him as such with a lisp, I'm just not buying it. I think it's funny, again, only because I've only met people 
that are nice, that have lisp, and I've never met once in my life someone mean. So it just doesn't seem real to me. But it was a three-on-one match. Um, yeah, it was a three-on-one match, and uh, there was a long pause there. I apologize. I was reading something. So it was pretty terrible. The referee called for the bell. It, it ended. I, I, it was kind of a snooze fest for me. I really didn't see the way that one ended, if we're being honest. But Triple H, Randy Orton, typical Triple H matches. Same tempo as the Batista match. Uh, very slow, very unentertaining, very boring, which sucks because Triple H used to put on some great matches. And I know he's old. And, you know, I just thought that having a younger opponent like Randy Orton in there would, younger than Batista, what I mean, would kind of change the dynamic of the match. It really didn't do that. And it was, that's for that reason alone, it was very, very disappointing. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there wasn't like any illegal use of things. I mean, it was a pretty, they were back and forth. Obviously, there was a slow tempo. You know, the, the, the announcers kept saying that they kept calling the slow tempo strategic, which we got to get away from that. I know you're trying to sell it to the crowd and figure out other things, but strategic, really, that just sounds lame. The entrance was lame for, um, I wouldn't say lame, but it wasn't your typical Triple H entrance, like a WrestleMania one. He just came in on his motorcycle, whatever. Randy Orton came in. Randy Orton gets the pin, gets the RKO after hitting it twice, pins him. No big deal. Uh, followed by that was Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley, which actually wasn't a bad match. I, I could not remember seeing Braun Strowman wrestle for the longest time. He had been involved in these like squash matches and Royal Rumble matches or just, you know, and I don't remember seeing him really wrestle one-on-one in a long time. And so it was good to see him wrestle against someone like Bobby Lashley, which, by the way, I believe... Those guys are the typical prototype for your world heavyweight champion. I know Vince McMahon is a big, big on the muscle guys. And um, I think they have enough talent to carry things like that. You know, maybe there's something behind closed doors, but it's, it's just a shame to see guys like that being wasted. Bobby Lashley was used, utilized pretty well at TNA and he goes back to WWE and he doesn't really get utilized very well. And uh, uh, Braun Strowman, I think, is just a waste of talent. You know, he won the Battle Royale at, at, in Saudi Arabia last year. Nothing came of it. There's no prize for it. Excuse me. Um, He just, I don't know, it's just the whole, he, he, I don't think he's got a fair, fair share at the title. I know he had it against Brock one time, but that was it. That could have been a good feud. That could have been a good one to introduce introduce um, Braun as the new monster or the new beast by defeating Brock Lesnar. That didn't happen. And and then having, you know, kind of going back to tapping into that old school wrestling that wrestling fans fell in love with. Don't get me wrong. We love entertaining matches. I love entertaining matches. But if you can pair up the right wrestlers with the right people, I think you can have those entertaining matches. I wasn't really bored by the... Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, it only got a C, but it was it was better than I thought it was going to be. Now, I think that if you put someone like Braun Strowman against like a Roman Reigns, um, uh, Lars Sullivan, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler, I even I think he should be in the in the conversation for title. I know he had a title fight, and we'll talk about that. But um, guys like that, I think guys like that are the ones that kind of 
can carry your ratings back up and people can really get behind. You know, if you're not going to go from one extreme to another, then you got to go to the other. What I mean by that is they did a really good job of Kofi. Kofi being an underdog, he's a smaller guy, very entertaining wrestler. We've been entertained with him for 11 years and we're finally happy that he got his due. You know, and I just seen the love that he's got. And I think WWE did it to tap into that African uh, uh, fan base. They were showing videos tonight before he went in, how he was in uh, Cameroon or Cameroon and, and, and Ghana and Senegal and those places and how they were just welcoming to him. So I think they were trying to draw that crowd kind of like similar to what they did with Jinder Mahal. But again, I think if you want to get those ratings, maybe bring a little bit of old school, put the title on someone like Braun where they really do seem unstoppable and then, you know, have an underdog story where like a Seth Rollins comes in kind of like you did with Brock Lesnar. You know, we ate that up and we were happy for Seth. And, uh, I think that's what works or pair Seth Rollins up with someone who can, who can have a match, not like a Corbin match where there's not a clean finish and, you know, all this other stuff. There's too much noise outside of wrestling you just need to focus on the wrestling. I think Corbin is a good performer. I think he can carry a show. They believe in him, obviously. They still have him in the doghouse for whatever reason. He won the money in the bank, cashed in on an episode of Raw and lost it. He mean, like, just, it was a waste. But he's been on, like, with Survivor Series, he's been on Team Raw. He's been in those pay-per-views, those main events, things like that. Even even when it comes down to three-man tags, he's been in main events. You know, he ended Kurt Angle's career. and So they, they believe in this kid. But I don't think he's getting his fair share. You know, they, this match, we knew he wasn't going to lose. It's kind of like to to get back those ratings, you have to create a stigma within wrestling that at any given night, it could, it could be any anybody's on any given night. That's what I'm trying to say. With the storylines, the way they are, it's very easy to see that Seth wasn't going to drop the belt to either Brock or... um. Or um, Corbin, but I thought that they were actually going to have a match with Brock, which I'm glad they didn't because that kind of that wasn't very good. I, I wasn't happy with that. But um, you know, moving on next was the Kofi Kingston Dolph Ziggler fight. The feud between that was Ziggler coming back and being uh, envious of Kofi for getting all the love and feels that it should have been him and that was adored and all this other stuff. So he destroyed him on an episode of SmackDown and he destroyed him pretty bad where he heard of it. But so it was a good story going into it. The match wasn't that long. I thought it should have been a little bit better. I think you give it a little bit more time. Um, that would match would have been a lot better. They gave way too much time to the Triple H and Randy Orton fight. I'll have to look to see what the actual stats on that are. But I know that it was, it was, whew, it was too much time. But the Kofi Kingston, Kofi Kingston beats Dolph Ziggler. It was, uh, 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 you know, I guess like a back and forth. It was, it wasn't a bad match. You know, I think could have been better, but um, it, it was, it reminded me of a match that should have been on a house show, not like a pay-per-view kind of match. And I hope that doesn't affect Kofi, you know, being champion. I hope that they don't think that he can't draw in the crowd or anything like that. But um, the way it ended was Dolph Ziggler going outside the ring after Kofi jumps from the top rope. And, um, Xavier Woods is helping Kofi and Ziggler super kicks Xavier Woods. So then ultimately they spend a little bit of time outside the ring while Xavier Woods is down. Then he throws him in. The ref gets distracted and um, 
as he's coming towards the ropes, that's Dolph Ziggler. Xavier Woods is there to meet him with a kick to hit the face as like retaliation. And, um, and so, um, then, then Kofi Kingston hits his, uh, his signature, uh, I'm sorry, he hits his, his signature Trouble in Paradise and, and ends the match. That's it, right? That's how it ends. Should have been a little bit longer. They gave way too much time to the Triple H and I think it took away from that match. Next, you had the 50-man Battle Royale, which, let's be honest, um, if you were active throughout that whole 50-man Battle Royale, then good for you. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, I definitely was not. I was flipping between the... So let me let me preface by saying this. I initially did not watch it while it was live. It was earlier in the day. I thought it was at, it started at 4. I was completely wrong. So when I saw an update saying Goldberg apologizes for knocking himself out, again, spoiler alert, but we're going to get there. I was like, what? And I looked it up and I noticed that it had already happened. So I saw that. Obviously, I saw that Taker beat him. And then I saw that Randy Orton had defeated Triple H. So I said, whoa. So I made sure to make it a point not to get on my phone to check that because I didn't want to ruin it. I wanted to watch it. I really, I really did want to watch it. When they have these shows out in Saudi Arabia, they're really nice. They're they put on pretty good shows. You know, that's kind of like the WrestleMania of the Middle East. So it's really cool. And um, so I wanted to see this. And you know, the fifty man battle royale was during the finals. Uh, I I think fifty man is way too much. And they do it the way they do the thirty man. And sometimes the thirty man they get it gets too crowded. And um, you know, I just, I just don't see 50, man. I didn't enjoy it. I don't think it's a good idea. At least you got to do it a little bit better. But, you know, what are you going to do? They did it. So I didn't really pay attention. I turned it on when it was down to the Miz, Elias, Cesaro. And, um, no, it was Samoa Joe, Cesaro. I'm so sorry. I turned it when it was Samoa Joe, Ricochet, uh, Ali, Elias, Moonsar, and I believe The Miz was probably in there. And Cesaro was too. And then it just came down to, um, it, it just came down to Moonsar and Elias. And it looked like Elias was going to be the one that won, you know, being that he doesn't really wrestle very often. He's always playing, you know, his guitar and putting on little concerts before getting erupted by a superstar. And then they just squash him. So there's no build to Elias. It's, it's a shame what they're doing with him too. But, you know, maybe he's not ready to wrestle. Maybe he's just, you know, he's not. But I don't know. I thought he was going to win. Mansoor, I think he's, um, I think he is from the Middle East. So I, I think they favored him in winning that. It was a huge pop when he won. I'll tell you that. And when it was just down to them too, the crowd was so into it. So you can see that they wanted him to win and he was the perfect underdog story. WWE, wake up. We love underdog stories. Play more to those roles instead of always playing the same highlight reel with the Brock Lesnar's coming back and, you know, pulling people out of semi-retirement like The Undertaker and Goldberg and things like that. We like underdog stories. Make the people who deserve it and put in the hard work do it. And the speech that Moonstar gave afterwards was amazing. He even said, I, I got my start last year during this time. I dreamt and dreamt and dreamt. He had a dream. 
and he just worked hard and his dream came true when he won this 50 man battle royale the crowd got such a pop but here's the sad part are they gonna what are they gonna do with it with Braun Strowman when he won they didn't do anything with it are they gonna do the same thing because that's what I feel that honestly that's how I feel I feel like they're gonna do the same exact thing and it'll be a shame if they do it'll be a big shame if they do so we'll see what happens um you know, finally, it, it, it finishes off with um, The Undertaker and Goldberg. Now, maybe two minutes into the match. Um, I don't know. Well, let's just start from the beginning. So it starts off with them going in each other's faces. And um, and Goldberg immediately hitting two spears. Off the ropes, hits two spears. Then he... Um, he pins or he go, he go pins them. Undertaker kicks out, and they go a little bit back and forth. He punching each other, he throws them in the corner. That's Goldberg throwing Undertaker in the corner, and he goes to do a spear while he's at the, in the corner. Undertaker moves, and Goldberg actually hit his head on the metal pipe, on the top of his head, the crown of his head. So that's a very sensitive spot. Starts bleeding immediately. He feels it. he starts touching it. You know, he falls down. He looks concussed to me. And for the rest of the match, he looks sluggish. I think he was because he wasn't in his, he wasn't in his spots. He didn't have the same energy. He, uh, and we know Goldberg wrestles fast. We know that, right? But this was different. Even the jackknife, he attempted a jackknife and I think he either hurt the undertaker or, or nearly, or had to have nearly hurt him because it was almost a brain buster. Because he didn't even get him fully up. He couldn't hold him. And it was a vertical suplex that he couldn't flip him all the way. So he came down on his head. And you can see Undertaker mouthing something to Goldberg when that happened. So my, you know, the, I think that it might have been Undertaker calling for a quick finish after that. I think he was pissed. He looked pissed. You could see he was mad. Especially after the match. He looked so angry and then disappointed. Just anger, initial anger, and then disappointment and so I believe that uh he called for the match to be over but after you could just see it and the rest of the match was just garbage was trash was was sad because I think they could have put on a good match I think you put them in a different situation and you try it again and I think they have a good match it's sad because they main evented you know everyone likes the aura around surrounding both Goldberg because of the legacy and Undertaker, and they sold this as the dream match. You know, the dream match is Sting and Undertaker, but this is a good matchup also. The dream match for me was Goldberg Stone Cold back in the day because when Goldberg was dominating WCW and was the face, Stone Cold was on top in WWE. And, you know, the resemblance, the baldness, just everything about him, the popularity, the way they were just badasses. I think that that was the dream match for me was when they crossed, was to see those two fight. But that's neither here nor there. We'll never see that. But it was it was one of those things that even I was excited for. And we didn't get the match that we thought we were going to get. And I think a lot of that had to do with Goldberg getting hurt. So many people are angry with Goldberg. So many people. But is it really Goldberg's fault that there's they're asking who botched it? You know, was The Undertaker supposed to not move? And let him hit him? Is that why he think? Or what happened? He hit his head and that was the end of everything. 
after that, it was it. It was, there was nothing left to go on. But you got to also remember, you put in the main event of one of the biggest shows of the year for you, for your business, two men who had a combined age of 106 years old. 106 years old combined age. The only way I think those two really succeed in a main event role, and it's not together, they're not in the ring together. Goldberg faces a younger talent and vice versa because then there's moments where they can carry the match. But not where you have two old guys wrestling because you can kind of see it. And I think they amplified the weaknesses of Goldberg in this match as opposed to try to conceal those and amplify the strengths. This match did not go the way it should have. Like Brock Lesnar... You know, that was a, a, a power, a power struggle. They sold that very well. And, um, and it just, you know, I don't know. It was kind of squash mask too, but they just, it wasn't working out. Feel sorry for Goldberg because he even said he apologized to his fans that he let down. And he's, he knew that there's people out there that got pleasure in, in him doing that and him botching it. And then you have Matthew Riddle who says, thank you for showing us that you are the worst wrestler ever. And that's sad, you know, because Goldberg is a, is a Hall of Famer and, and he is all right, you know, at one point had the torch and kind of passed that on. Never could really wrestle the way people thought or, you know, lived up to the expectations that they wanted him to. But just, he was the Brock Lesnar, the Beast Incarnate before there was Brock Lesnar. Because you got to remember when Brock even came, there were the matches that the match that he had a Kurt Angle, where he messed up his neck. That's Brock Lesnar. That was one of the great one one of the greatest matches of that year, maybe in a, a, a couple of years to follow that. That was such a good match, and Brock Lesnar was a good wrestler. And that was when you know he was normal, and then they sold him as you know this indestructible guy, but he can't even wrestle that much. I know he had a sickness and his disease, but he's over that and. I think he gets off the reins a little bit. I don't know. I'm not there when I want to tell it. So, you know, I don't know. I have an opinion just like you guys do. But it's just, it's crazy to me that, that that's how, that's what it's come to. And that's why I say that that was Goldberg because he was undefeated, 100 and something, you know, and that's how they sold him. He was untouchable until he finally lost. And even when he lost, I believe it was to Kevin Nash in one of the worst ways possible. Like it was, it was just bad. Like, I don't think he should have lost. And Kevin Nash at that point wasn't even as entertaining as he, like he is less entertaining than Brock Lesnar. That was Kevin Nash at that time. But he was just such a big name and they were paying him so much money. So they needed him, you know, but he, he, I mean, he's, he, he was good when he was diesel. When he first went over, he was good too. There's just, I don't know if it's creative writing or what, but yeah, it's just, it was kind of pathetic. So the big talk about it was Goldberg and him hitting his head and botching the main event. There's a lot of blame on Goldberg. Again, Undertaker immediately. Oh, you know what? Let me finish my point. I apologize. I didn't get there. So then after, um, after you see the frustration in Undertaker's eyes and he called, he mouthed something to Goldberg, which I think was a quick finish. He, uh, Goldberg then tries to go and end the Undertaker with a tombstone. He can't even really pick him up. So Undertaker tries to flip him and he immediately falls. You just see he has no energy. He's he's just 
he's just weak. And I think it was, he was concussed. He couldn't think. So I think Undertaker called for because he knew he was going to end up getting hurt if he stayed in that ring with Goldberg. That's what's sad because I don't know if this is one of those things that Undertaker and Vince are like, I can see you were hurt and that's why, or I'm never working with you again because you put me in danger. Only time will tell, but I hope it doesn't come down to that second. Um, so he flips him, doesn't happen. And then, uh, you know, Undertaker picks him up and then chokes them. But you could tell Goldberg doesn't even jump. Undertaker doesn't get him, get barely gets him to his chest. I mean, maybe three feet off the ground. It was, you know, like four feet, five feet off the ground. It was just embarrassing. And slams him and that was it. And Goldberg said, I, I thought I could finish and I couldn't. And that's when the three count hits. Undertaker turns over. Looks like he's looking at the announce table in just pure disgust and anger. Camera pans away, then pans back to him, and then he gains his composure a little bit, and then just looks so disappointed. And you can catch a glimpse in the background of staff attending to Goldberg. So you they knew something was wrong, and you know, it still continued, but I, I don't know. It's one of those things that, it's just one of those things that, you know, you, you kind of set it up from the beginning to fail. We as fans, like me myself, I didn't want to believe that. I didn't want that to be the case, but it it was kind of set up like that from the get go. It was such a great idea. That's why I hope they do it again. It's just Goldberg comes out and says, "You know what? I got hurt." Stays the killer and says, "You know what? I got hurt." That's not going to happen again. That just unleashed the beast even more. He is back one hundred percent now. And then they go with that angle. You know, he comes on Raw a couple times, calling out uh, Undertaker. Undertaker just, they play games. He doesn't show up because, you know, he's not full-time. And then you do it to where the next week Undertaker shows up and Goldberg doesn't. You, you know, you just kind of go back and forth. And you get a little bit of some of that exposure on the blue brand. Maybe Goldberg does goes to Raw, sees that Undertaker doesn't show. So then he goes looking for him on SmackDown. You know, those kind of things. Play a good story into it. Build it up. And it doesn't have to be stomping grounds. You can do it at SummerSlam. You know, you can... SummerSlam's another big one. I think that would be a good thing. You can even push it as far as Survivor Series if you somehow wanted to do it. But that would be, to me, that'd be a little hard to keep that story going with people entertained about it after what happened. You know, you almost have to do it immediately at the next pay-per-view, but I don't see Undertaker at Stomping Grounds. But I can definitely see him at SummerSlam fighting that match. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? What do you guys think? What did you guys think of WWE Super Showdown? Were you guys disappointed in the 50-man Royal Rumble? Were you guys hoping Elias won? Were you guys happy? You know, give me your thoughts on the Triple H match. That was one of those ones that I thought was like, eh, you know. But, um, you know, Seth Rollins, I know he's a big fan favorite. You know, what do you think What do you think is going to happen with the Universal title? Or is Finn Balor going to step up and try to challenge? Because remember, he was the first one that got hurt and he relinquished it. Then they gave it to Seth. Or Owens, I should say, and Seth. But, you know, I'd love to hear your guys' opinions on it. Let me know what you guys thought. Let me know if Goldberg is to blame, if, you know, it's unfortunate that what happened to him. And, you know, and we'll go from there. You know, you can always leave me a reply. You know, send me a message. Twitter at culture underscore punch. Facebook and Instagram is at culture punch podcast. Uh, you know, send me, uh, send me, send me, send me some questions. You know, send me some concerns. I really do want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, I'm excited to interact with you guys and talk with you guys about it. So uh, any chance I get, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, I, you guys keep tuning in. So I really do appreciate it. Um, Spotify looks like it might be the main thing. I know iTunes is going away. So we're going to see what happens with that whole I, 
uh, or the whole podcasting with iTunes going away. So, you know, stay posted for that, but still on Stitcher, CastBox, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify, all the big ones. You know, you can find us, just search the Culture Punch Podcast and we are there. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed your night. Hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the Super Showdown. And, you know, if you're a Raptors fan, you know, I'm sure you're excited. Turn up. If you're a Golden State fan, kind of saw this one happening. Didn't put it out of reach like everyone else did. Thought that they had a good chance. Unfortunate that everyone's hurt, but that's the way it goes. So keep tuning in. We'll talk about the finals, you know, hopefully before the end. If not, we'll recap. But uh, you guys take care and we'll see you guys again soon. Thank you for listening. 